Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuning into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. And man alive, is this going to be a good episode? We, uh, you know, I, I get to, we, we do this thing down here. We do it out of love um, and because we love music uh, and we love talking to these people who make music and, uh, and artists that, that enrich your lives. And uh, through working with some of the people that I, that I work with, uh, came in contact with the guy we're going to be talking to today, one Aaron Ab- Abernathy. He is the uh, musical director for, for Black Milk. You may have heard of him. Uh, worked with Slum Village. Also, uh, Jack White, Foreign Exchange, Eric Roberson. Uh, a graduate of the Howard uh, University uh, musical program. And music program there. Uh, may have heard of it. Spit out people like Donna Hathaway and Roberta Flack. At any rate, uh, Ab has a new album coming out. In fact, it's out today. So if you listen to this on Monday, uh, his new album, Monologue, is out. It is, uh, I, I think, objectively, one of the best albums of 2016. Easily uh, one of the best soul albums of 2016. It's a, it's a chronicle of and a peak in the side of time in his life, uh, specifically high school, uh, when he was, he was becoming what he is. He was becoming a man. He was becoming... Um, a a fully realized person, um, and it is it is brilliant, it is soulful, it is moving, and uh, and so I asked him to come down and talk about it, and he said, yeah, yeah, let's do this, and we did, and what followed is is probably my favorite conversation uh, I've had with anybody, maybe even on this podcast. We uh, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about uh, his album. Uh, we talk about his growing up. We talk about uh, the state of the world today. Uh, we tackle some uh, some topics uh, dealing with racism, um, a little politics. It's 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 everything. Uh, but that is that is sort of what uh, I think not just his music is, but what he he strives to be, and what we all you know as people to be around and to be understand everything and understand the world around us and figure out how we can how we can not just put good into it, but maybe change it. Is is it truly? Uh, for me, at least, an enlightening experience. So, uh, we're going to be sharing that with you today, and then uh, we're going to be playing a little track by a band called The Session uh, at the back end of this. They are a Bay Area band, a uh, seven-piece, and they have a new album uh, coming out called Flames and Figures. And uh, so, we've got the track of that that you're going to hear. So, uh, that's it for this intro. And if you, um, I, I really uh, just. If you listen to one of our podcasts this year, this is it. So here you go. This is episode number 223, where I'm sitting down with the remarkable uh, and the soulful Aaron Abernathy. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Nearly a two-word review of just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. A lot of things that are um, 
it's a clear path to it. Like yeah. as a musician, as an entertainer, you know what you have to do to make it good. That's it. That that doesn't mean like copying what other people are doing. You can yeah. definitely do your own exactly. thing, but you know there's a certain like you got to know level. how to play your instrument. Got to know how to play. <laughs> you got you got to know how to write yeah. the songs. Yeah, you got to know how to like get up and play it in front of people. You gotta like all these things. Yeah, that aren't um, you know, if you if you want to just do it as a hobby. That's cool. That's do, cool do, too. Yeah, yeah. Do it, but but if you want to do it to win, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a it's so. a totally different it's a totally different game. Yeah, that's it. You know. Yeah. So I mean, we're rolling. So that'll. We'll oh, okay. Just, yeah, yeah. We'll okay. Just, cool. Cool. Uh, I was just getting a check on that. Okay. Uh, uh, welcome back, Ab. Been 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 a little while. You're down here uh, for our friend Marcus Dowling's podcast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, with your friend Black Black Mill. Yep. Yep. Uh, and at that time, you uh. You mentioned you're like, hey man, I got the solo album coming out. Yeah, yeah. And then our friend Marcus Moore was like, hey man, dude, have you heard that solo album? And I'm like, what is this? He's just he's here. He's telling us about it, right? Uh, and you sent it to me and Marcus. I think that night after the show. Which, yeah, I did. Which was one of the best shows I've seen in DC this year, if not the best. Word. That Thank was. You. Like, Thank you. You're, you're, you Thank guys. You. Uh, this was not that long after Prince had died. Yeah, and it was. It was almost like a wake. It was almost just seeing like, oh, people are still doing this. People like wow. this. This didn't completely die uh, with that little purple guy. <laughs> right, right, um, right. Who was a huge inspiration. <laughs> and so you sent us the album. It's named Monologue. Day later, listened to it. And I can't remember exactly what email I sent you, but it, but it might as well have been like, how do you feel uh, about the fact that you you made one of 2016's best records? Wow, wow! Thank you. <laughs> I mean, um, wow. Yeah, you you. I try uh... I try I try not to like blow smoke up people's ass or compliment and stuff. But the Word. fact of the matter is, it's like, it, it, is this album is is what is it? Uh, we got ten tracks, 11, 11, 11 tracks, yeah. uh, tracking. Uh, sort of your journey. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is, this is an autobiography a little yeah. bit, right? High school, high school. Um, and what's interesting is um, what I did was I took, uh, I think like being 17 and 18 is probably like one of the most important times of your life. Mm -hmm. Every time um, a transition is going to happen in your life, it's important because... I think it lays those years before you transition lays the foundation of what you're about to transition into and who you're going to be yeah. once you transition. So I felt that a uh, monologue is the, um, that was a pivotal part in my life because I was about to leave home Yeah, and I needed to know what I was leaving home to do. Yeah. And I needed to know, the person that I was going to be when I left home. So it was taking the first 18 years of my life facing challenges in my senior year of high school and then making a decision on what college I was going to go to, what major I was going to major in and who Aaron Abernathy was as a person. Yeah. And the trials that I went through, you know, within the album leads me to my monologue at the end of the album yeah so yeah it's uh it's just personal it was just a real journey yeah, yeah. and I, I mean yeah. even if you look at the album what little i i know of you like you look at the album cover like 
And the mon- a monologue is like one person talking. It's yeah. you telling a story. I yeah. mean, this is this is if you sit down with it, this is you're gonna get the uh, the Aaron Abernathy experience. Yeah, uh, and uh, that in itself is is brave and impressive because a lot of people are like, no, I, I'll do like metaphor. I, I want to yeah. see about this, but no, this is this is an experience that you wanted to share with people. But you look at the album cover, and it's 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 just a piano. Yeah, it's the piano in my living Which room is, at home in Cleveland. Uh, be, it's like my piano that so, I grew up playing. So, so let's let's go back to that. So you're you're you grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. As I mentioned upstairs, I was uh grew up in uh, Ravenna. Right we up the little, street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we had a little uh, furniture company down there. It's real okay. flat up there. Yeah. yeah. Uh it can get cold. Um but um when you were growing up, uh you know, like the first two songs on this album are to your uh father and your mother. Yeah. Uh was were they uh, musicians or were they sort of like putting these tools in your hands because I mean throughout the album right. you hear like these little snippets you know of, of dialogues and saying like oh where's Aaron he's practicing right so right. so when when did you look at uh, the piano or maybe not even the piano and first thing like oh yeah that's it I feel like um, so neither one of my parents are musicians <laughs> and I think the funny thing is um, in seventh grade, I mean, well, let me, let me dial it back. So growing up in my house, there was always music. Yeah. All I can remember is my father's, uh, record player. Like you wake up in the morning, you hear music, you smell sausage, bacon, <laughs> pancakes. Like this was Saturday Go morning. Midwest. Like it's the mid, yeah. you know, it's Midwest. So this was Saturday morning. It's going to start with some R&B, soul, funk. That's what you're going to hear. Yeah. You know, you're going to hear Sly. You're going to hear War. You're going to hear the Isleys, Shaka Khan, Stevie, yeah. Marvin. You know, I can go on for days. Yeah. You know, you're just going to hear music. Like, that's what you wake up to. And then um, you just go downstairs and eat. So, like, you know, family. We were like a, a super family. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody gets together and we eat. We listening to music. We clean in the house. Music is on. So music runs my household to this very day. Wow. It is Saturday, yeah. 12.35. I could put money on it that my dad's record player is on right now. <laughs> and he is just around the house doing whatever yeah. he's doing. How, but how many people in your family? It's five of us. Five? Oh, so, geez. you know, it's, um, I ha- you have my mom and my dad, my sister, uh-huh. a niece who was all over the album, and my brother, Anthony. So yeah. I'm right in the middle. I'm the middle child. Okay. So when I think about, you know, growing up, it was just a record player, but no one was a musician. Mm-hmm. So my Aunt Lucille, she was selling her piano. And my mom was like, why are you? Or she was going to get rid of it. She wasn't selling it. She yeah, was just yeah. going to get rid of it. Yeah. And my mom was like, no, let me get that piano off of you. And she's like, well, if you could find a moving truck, you know, go ahead. So she brings this piano in the house one day and like, I just start, I mean, I'm probably like maybe like six. Mm-hmm. I just fiddling around on it. Like just messing Chopsticks. around. Yeah. Just playing around on it. No lessons, but I just started playing by ear and I think she paid attention to that. And so she threw all of us in piano lessons. <laughs> so oh, all no. three of us, you know, we started I, piano I, lessons. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up in that. I mean, I grew up uh, piano lessons at five. I played violin for like 17 years. So, so you know, it's, yeah. yeah, I know about the lessons. It's, yeah. So, you know, she threw us all in lessons. But the thing is, she let them quit 
<laughs> but she wouldn't let me quit. And I tried to quit, you know, a few times. Not because I didn't like it. I just didn't like practicing, you know. But um, Was it practicing or, or was it, I mean, was your teacher, uh, I know with me, when I finally gave up on piano, it was because she wouldn't let me play a Beatles song. She wouldn't let me play what I wanted there to. There you go. So, But see, but my mom, every time, she always found a way, like, she, it wasn't that, she found me a new teacher when, every time I was like, mm-hmm. I don't like the teacher, she found a new teacher. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, she was just really, she saw it. She saw my purpose. So, like, she was on it. But I have to say, like, the music side, a pivotal moment was when I was in seventh grade and I had to sing this Duke of Earl solo mm-hmm. by Earl Chandler. I think that's the guy's name. Duke of Earl. So I sing the solo and afterwards, you know, people are like clapping, they're going crazy. And like they go up to my parents and they're like, who is the singer in your family? Because your son, you know, this is amazing. And yeah. they're like, looking at each other like, I don't know where that came from. You know, like, we don't have any singers. We don't this and we don't that. And it took me a while to realize, like, well, the singers were just from the record player. Like, I'd heard it my entire life. Like, I was mimicking these guys my entire life. So, like, when it comes to, like, just being at Abernathy in my immediate household, like, all I heard was music, and I just gravitated to it and was just always singing and always messing around on the piano and trying to figure out how to play Bone Thugs and Harmony songs and whatever I heard on the radio. Like, I was just trying to figure it out. I could just hear it and yeah. figure it out. And I think that my mom saw that. And it's funny, like, on the album, she's the one that's, like, purpose-driven. Like, hey, practice the piano. Yeah. Hey, like, we're paying for you. And once again, back yeah. to teachers... My senior year, she got me a new teacher. Uh, like, this this guy was, he was incredible on keys. Like, I was actually intimidated by him. Yeah. Because he was just that good, and I wanted to play like him. Mm-hmm. But he would do stuff that would just drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. He was about foundation, fundamentals. Yeah. So, like, he would have me, it's crazy, in the interlude, um, I do, I, I play one of the, um, this is man. I'm about to nerd out. I don't. Yeah, do it, man. <laughs> I'm Go about to it. nerd out. The, the people who listen to this are, are, man, are music nerds. This so. is okay. So the guy's name was J.T. Lynch, and so he used to do this activity with me, or um, that's not an activity, but he would make me do this practice where you have to play the C major chord, like you would play a seven chord mm-hmm. to a dominant chord to a minor chord to a half diminish to a fully diminish. And you would have to do it at every key, you know? <laughs> so it's like, boom, 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 yeah. <laughs> boom, boom. But I made the interlude that way where my sister and my best friend Jeff are talking before I see you uh-huh. because that is the exercise that I used to have to do. Yeah. And so I just put a beat underneath it, but they're talking over it, but that is the exercise. That's, it's, just, it's just a piano it's a, exercise. It's a piano exercise, you know? And so I think um, <laughs> I say all that to say, like, my mom... She was on it and she used to do this thing where I would have to play a song or I would have to play an exercise perfectly 10 times in a row. Yeah. And if I mess up, I have to start all over. So like she was like a drill sergeant (laughs) when it came to like piano practice. Right. And I'd be like, but wait, that's not what the teacher told me to do. And she's like, that's what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. You know, so 
I think like her, that's what made me want to quit. Yeah. But in hindsight, it's just made me like so much better. Well, you, it's, know? you know, you talked about like music being in your family's like household and just being there and like, yeah. and it, it's there like literally right now as we're talking. Yeah. And, you know, your mom, I think taking that, that position of being like, you all have uh, obviously an appreciation for music. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, a teacher's job is to, uh, like I said, get the fundamentals down. Yeah. But beyond that, you know, this is a thing that I think a lot of musicians uh, struggle with or or maybe maybe they never find it, is when you cross that line and, like, you don't, not just you want to do your own thing, but you have to. Yep. And yeah. so, so, I mean, were you, did that come, like, in high school? Were you out playing in front of people? Not really. Um, I think the interesting thing, to me, high school was nothing but a test to figure out if I wanted to do it, mm -hmm. you know? Like, do I really want to do this? Yeah. So, in high school, I was playing at home, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I was getting ready for this tryout at Tri-C. That's what I'm talking about on the album. Mm -hmm. There's this tryout, there's this piano competition tryout, uh, for this jazz band, but I knew nothing about jazz. Right. So that's why we hired this teacher. That's why I'm doing all these exercises. And literally, the main thing in high school was I was singing. So like, I was in acapella choir. I went to this school called Shaker Ice High School. Uh huh. Um, and the choir was the acapella choir was just phenomenal. Yeah. You know, we um, we. We be doing like Paul Hogan stuff, like, um, didn't my Lord deliver Daniel? That's not Paul Hogan. Um, what's the Elijah Rock? That's okay, what it is. Elijah I'm like, Rock. man, yeah. I drew a blank. So Elijah Rock saved your ass. Like, yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, you know this. So Elijah Rock, we do stuff like that. These Paul Hogan, like big acapella mm -hmm. songs, and I think that's where. The thing about high school is crazy. That's where I learned vocal arranging. Right. And didn't even realize it. Like in acapella choir, that's where I learned vocal arranging. Like I could hear, I heard all the Prince stuff and all the Marvin stuff and mm -hmm. I loved all of that. But I think for me, a choir of voices is what I love the most. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's like when, when you were learning that stuff, was it, were you, you think learning it by ear or was there a guy who was running the choir like responsible? I think was, that we, Dr. Schneider, he was, um, I mean, definitely he was responsible. Well, but responsible I, is the right word, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. encouraging, like I, he had this knowledge that he was like, you guys gotta. Yeah. I think with him, it's, it's funny. And I'll say this, you know, it's just real. I think with the black students, like we sing with so much soul and yeah. from going to church mm -hmm. and, you know, growing up in a church and soul music has like this richness to it. So when you get to a cappella choir and it's it's more classical, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like even yeah. though Paul Hogan, it has soul on it, but it's approach. The approach is a little different. You know what I mean? The approach is different. Like you're, you're not going to see some uh, Episcopalian choir winning any competitions. Okay. You're just not. I, <laughs> nah, it's cool, man. I feel what you're saying. It, 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 it's, it's, it's cool. No, and you're yeah. right. And, and, yeah. it, and it is, uh, you know, and this will be later in the conversation. You know, uh, talking about making like black albums and black music, like yeah. Solange just dropped her album. Oh man, people. incredible! Yeah, yeah, incredible. and stuff like that. So, 
but but you guys are doing these these arrangements and you're learning this yeah and you just and that's where you just like fell in love with doing that so i feel like so there was so many elements to it so yeah. you have classical songs again you got the paul hogan nego spiritual type of mm-hmm. approach songs but then you have like gregorian chant which yeah. is like a totally different monster. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like such a nerd talking no, about no, this. No, 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 no. And, <laughs> and if listeners don't know, you should know what it is. I mean, that's just a basic like music intro class that they teach you. Yeah. Put some of that on. It's wild. It is. It okay. is wild. I'll, I'll take it for, for my gamers. Right. Gregor, Gregorian champ. For yeah. all the gamers out there, right? My, my um, again, my college roommates. I went to Howard University here in D.C. And my roommates used to think like, why do you know this? They would play Halo, and I'm talking about yeah. Halo 1. Yeah, Halo 1. And when it cut on, I was like, yo, this theme <laughs> but, song? Yeah. It's Gregorian That's chants. crazy. That's Gregorian. And I used to yeah. tell them, like, that's Gregorian chant. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you have to understand, like, do you hear these voices? This is beautiful. Yeah. This is incredible. Like, whoever scored this, this is, this yeah. is beautiful, man. Yeah. You know, so I think like that's what I learned in choir. Like, mm-hmm. man, and I and I fell in love with it, and I wanted to add like part of that to what I was doing. You yeah. Know? So it wasn't high school to answer your question. High school wasn't about playing in front of people per se. Yeah. But it was about singing in front of people. Okay. With this choir, you know. Right. And the choir really opened up my mind. I think singing opened up my mind because. They took us to London when we were uh, in yeah. our junior year. Yeah. And I think that just changed my, I was like, you could leave the country yep. singing? Yeah. I was like, oh we, man. We did a, uh, and this is getting extremely nerdy for people, but uh, so I, I was actually a concert master in our symphony orchestra. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> and, uh, and we graduated high school, graduated in 1990. Okay. Uh, and, uh, the year that happened, they were like, okay, we're finally going to Europe. Right. We'd gone all up and down the East Coast and seen it's like, and uh, played the Kennedy Center, which is so, like, yeah. And, uh, incredible. And we're like, well, obviously we're going just because we graduated, so we're still going to do it. Right. And like you said, it's like you can do that, but then you get in. I remember very clearly being in Amsterdam, a park like off like the main downtown. Right. And we, I think we were playing uh, Mozart, like Unclean Knock music. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I think that was our, I think that was our set list. Right. But we play this, and uh, here, people are like, oh, "Those little nerds up there playing." And whatever. Right. There, a guy who's clearly homeless comes up, like crying, and hugs the conductor and hugs me. And it's it's different, right? And it's different, and it's also that's when even you know because I was floating in and out of it, but that's. Now I talk about music more than I make it. Right. But that's when I was like, a light bulb went off and I was like, fuck, this is, this is real. This is, this is real powerful. The way that music touches people. Like, I think one of the, the biggest things about, um, London, we were there and again, I was singing solos. Uh huh. So there was a song called, um, it's this Osi Funi Mungu. Uh huh. And, you know, to sing a solo in one of those humongous, I think we sang at Westminster Abbey. To even see one of those. Like, it, you, we're, we're in London. I am 16 years old, 17 maybe. <laughs> and, you know, you see these people cheering and 
you know, standing ovations afterwards. And, you know, you know, Dr. Snyder turns and, you know, you tell the soloist to step forward. And it's just like, yeah, I'm singing in London at 17 years old with this amazing high school choir. And, and there's so many things happening and I'm young. Mm-hmm. So it's like I have to process all of this. And I think even looking back at it is like I know that that like changed my life and it put it, me on this it, path. It, it, I think it completely uh, rewires you when, you, yeah. when people have those experiences. Yeah. Because you uh, specifically like the voice like that's that's the instrument that a we can all do it. Yeah. Now. Whether or not we should, <laughs> right. right? But you know, I, I would say the answer. Yeah, we actually we should all do it because it is it is our voice. It is inherent to just what we are. Yeah, and you can perfect it. But more than that, that's what people respond to. Yep, it's true. People respond to all the music in the world and all the instruments and stuff. But what you're really responding to is if you hear a voice and yeah. that familiar like timber that you know the whole thing like yeah. All of a sudden, it humanizes everything, and you have a connection to that. It's true. I agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, and I tell people a lot of times, you know, when you have like an artist who has great music, you know, fantastic music, but the the vocals are like terrible. I'm like, and they wonder why, like, why aren't people getting this? I'm like, well, they're just not, you know, but there will be some people that will all, that will. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But there's, there's certain melodic tones that people have that when it hits your ear, it's just undeniable. Yeah. It's like, man, I, I have to gravitate to it, you know. So, we'll jump back to talking specifically about the album. No, okay. I want to no, keep, no, keep going down this. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I mean, eventually, I, I yeah. want to keep. I want to keep going down this. Uh, yeah. So, you know, this album lays out what you were struggling with. Yeah. Uh, I think kind of in a hilarious like, way. You know, you get girl problems. Yeah, girl problems. Yeah, man, and it's girl it's like problems. it's awesome because. Not only do the song like Bachelorette, yeah, or I see you, uh, it 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 really it genuinely captures that angst yeah. of teenager stuff, yeah. But you also like went hard into like the sound of the period, yeah. I hear it, and, and I, I'm I'm gonna be interested to see how people respond to that because I hear it, and that's what I grew up with, yeah. So so I hear like I see you, mm-hmm. and that's like, uh. Either the it's not a, it's not either it's actually that's like the love scene in, a, yeah, <laughs> in like yeah. in a movie that maybe you weren't old enough to see right like, right you know but it's right. like oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right like right. it's time but yeah. it's just it but and it's so honest and it's so late to the point and uh when people do that like you did with that song that are so direct right like it either falls flat or it doesn't and and yeah. and. It works just like everything else on here. Man, thank you, thank you. I mean, when <laughs> did you did you put yourself just back in this place, or have you just held on to this? Like because emotionally, it is it's fantastic. I feel like um, I feel like when it comes to love, everybody's still eighteen. Yeah, you know, um, especially when when you're single, you know. Everybody's still 18. Everybody's still immature. Mm-hmm. Everybody's still trying to figure it out because, you know, there's so many things that have happened mm-hmm. to us, you know, and not in a, in a happened to us always in a romantic way. It's just the way that we grow up, the the way yeah. that we think about love, the um the way that we've gone about love. Um, 
the guilty things that we feel, you know, um, mm. the relationships that work, the relationships that that uh, didn't work or that we hope would work, you know. So I feel like to dive back into that place was cool. Yeah. But it's still modern. It's still right still now. Feels fresh. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's still like right there. I think anybody can relate to like just crushing on somebody. It doesn't matter how, what yeah. age you are, you know. If you're single and you or, see somebody, I, I don't even think it was a single. Or it could be with you've been with somebody for a long time. There you go. That's and real. Because because relationships like develop. Yeah, that's, that's real. Me and my lady have been together like ten years this January. Right. And we've seen that develop, and it's developing still, and it's going to keep on. That's real. Developing. You know. So it's like when you when you think about love. I think like when you say bachelorette or even um, <laughs> or even I see you, it's the one thing I I think of the whole album in sections. It's like when bachelorette comes on, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm outside now. Oh, yeah. Like I've honored my parents, you know, like, OK, my dad told me to go to the store and get my mom what she needed. I did. I just sent my sister back with it. <laughs> you know? But now. Yeah, I mean, this is, I, you this know, is literally the album yeah, if you like, haven't heard it. Like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm about to get in the car with my man Jeff, my cousin Gravy, and my man Dustin, and we're going to take a ride. We're going to Randall Park. We're either going to Tower City. We're going to Beachwood Place. Like, we, well, you and know. That, and that's the fun. That's the, and, and it's, it's, it's joyous because it is like honoring you're talking about your father. Yeah. Talking about how, how you're not him, but he taught you all these things. Right. Then you, this, uh, this is one of the, if this isn't, like the most sold single for Mother's Day going forward. Man, I love Favorite Girl. Like that <laughs> that song is so it's it's so genuinely sweet and it Man, and it jams. Just believe and have no fear. This 
That's the thing. It's it's got it. It's got it all. I wanted to make a maze record, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Like every record is kind of like centered around a certain thing. So like with my with the dad record, uh, son of Larry, I wanted to make like this Parliament record. Like I wanted it to kind of jam a yeah, little you have bit, characters. you know. And yeah, like had that feeling because he loves Parliament, yeah. funkadelic. Like that's his thing. But my mom loves Maze. Yeah, like Frankie Beverly and Maze. My mom loved Maze. So I was like, I needed something to kind of have that feeling and move, uh-huh. but I needed percussion that would loop, move like Marvin because she loved Marvin yeah, too. Yeah. But you know, Maze is from Marvin, right? You know? So right. it's one of those things where I wanted to make it groove. But like I said, when you get to Bachelorette, now mm-hmm. it's like now it's like you, you, some you, Ohio, did, you did you did and it's yeah. like it's like all right, me and the boys are going out. They That's don't need, they don't need to know about this. Yeah, they don't need to know about this. <laughs> this is some old pimpish, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cruising down Kinsman. Yeah, you know the way the guitar riff, like yeah, it's just to me it's Ohio funk at its best. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like it's just it's got that feeling to it. And so, um, like when you get to Bachelorette, and it's just like I said, anybody can relate to like trying to talk to a woman mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it's a bunch of guys in a 96 grand prix we in the pontiac and we just trying our hand trying <laughs> you know hand, and even even just the title of i see you is like almost hilarious because it's like that either works or doesn't right right i see you girl <laughs> right, and then she's right. like nah <laughs> nah <laughs> it's true it's yeah, true no, i mean that's right sure especially at that age yeah so i think like I love um, I love playing I See You for people because when the guitar comes in mm-hmm. and it opens up, everybody's expression is always like... When you channel Prince. Like, I mean, I mean, he's he's one of the greatest of all time. He like, is one of the that, greatest that, of all time. That, to me... So, it's, it's funny, like, even talking about the album and I See You from... I know we've only talked about four songs, mm-hmm. but my, fa- my two favorite eras in music are the 70s and the 90s. Yeah. And so I wanted this album, I wanted Monologue to be like the 70s meets the 90s in a back alley. Yeah. Like that's all, that's what I wanted the sound of the album to be was that. So like even in listening to I See You, it does have a touch of 80s on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's very, like I was, you know, trying to channel Prince, of course. But um it still got like that nineties feel with the oh, background yeah. oh, vocals, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's uh it was interesting to like you said in that story of love channel mm-hmm. that time, but I still do think that it is modern. Like anybody can feel it's it's that yeah, type of it, you know. Yeah, there there's just so many layers to all these songs on these albums. Like now yeah. you get you have your narrative layer, yeah, which is uh brilliant, like and and Thank brave you. to do that. You have the uh, instrumental layer. You have the nostalgic layer that is built Man. into the instrument. Like and and all these things like just have coalesced into. Again, this is one of the best like music experiences you can have in 2016. Wow, thank you. It is. It it's. I'm nervous, man. Like I, no, I really, no, no. I don't know how you know with the album coming out. I don't. I don't know how people are going to receive it. You know. Like I, I um, think the people that uh, and this might be weird to say the people that that need to receive it will i dig that yeah you know? um and it'll it'll touch them because like my experience i think we were talking about this after 
uh, you were here with Black. Yeah. My experience with all this kind of music is we didn't have, uh, you know, it was it was Black radio. Yeah. It wasn't played on white radio and right. stuff. So I would hear uh, stuff like this and stuff from the 80s and even stuff from the early 90s in mm-hmm. a dentist's office. Wow. And it, and so you go in there and you'd hear all these, you know, late night jams, the quiet storms. Yeah. It just wasn't up in our daily listening. I dig it. Um, and when I heard it, though, I was like, oh, this is, I knew about like Motown and all that right. stuff. So, uh, oh, I get it. I, like, I get this. Uh, and so, but it's always been like on sort of like off to the side of my experience yeah. uh, as something. But like this year you've got, uh, well, we mentioned Solange. You've Super got dope. like that King album. Like yep. what the, <laughs> yep. um, you got Anderson Pack. You got Anderson Pack. Like you have, um, and these are all touching on that. That fusion, I think, what you're saying of like the 70s and like yeah. the late 80s, early 90s, like yeah. soul, yeah, you know, and having songs and being unapologetic about it that are very direct, like, lady, right. we're gonna get it on, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I think that, um, it's interesting to to do it from a again from a teenage perspective mm-hmm. because I think the cool part is, again, we're all. A lot of us, especially in my generation, we're still teenagers at heart. We're still trying to find our purpose. And a lot of us are like, man, what a, you know, I don't really like my job. I want to be doing this. You know what I'm saying? Uh, A lot of us still looking for love. There are people in love and married and still looking for love. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Inside of the marriage. Yeah. So I feel like um, it was interesting I love how how things just come together. Like it was interesting to make this album and just let it come to me and and mm-hmm. and let me dive back into you know something that happened in my past that uh, and it's funny because in actuality the woman I'm talking about all of this happened before senior year. Like it happened the summer yeah, going yeah. to senior year. Right. I played it out like it was in senior year, but in actuality, it happened the summer going to. Like, it happened in this time. It was so interesting, like, yeah. what happened between me and this woman. Because I actually had a, a really cool girlfriend my senior year of high school. Right. But um, it was just interesting to go through, like, the ups and downs of it. And, you know. Was it your was it your first love? Or was this... this yeah, I would say this yeah. definitely... Definitely, without a doubt, that's my how first it plays. Love. I mean, because you yeah. get to the song "Ab is Gone," you're like, "Oh, bro. I was done, man. <laughs> I, think, I yeah. was done. I was done. Like, yeah, you know. But yeah, I mean, it's um, it's interesting to dive back into that place. Sure. To to really, and I think that's what music is about, man. Like to really oh, be yeah. vulnerable and to go into this place and evoke all the emotion that live there, you know what I'm saying? And and let it go for someone else to receive it. Like, hey, let me see if my emotion can touch yours. You you feel that? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? I I know exactly. Yeah. It's, and, and that's honestly why music is always going to be around. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you know, a friend of mine said, uh, we reviewed one of their albums and they said, one person was really harsh on it. And like, and I talked to them directly and they were like, you don't have to like everything. Right. And that's that's just a fact. And so somebody can be putting out these emotions here that you don't get. It doesn't matter. Right. It's true. It's important that they do it. It's true. Like it's every all of it is is like get it out there because somebody can relate. When people relate, then they get together. 
more yeah. hopefully yeah uh and uh and yeah so like the way i see it it's just ne- it's never gonna end no nah, it's, it's a release of it's a release of emotions and i think like one of the great things that's happening now is people are getting back to being realistic about how they feel yeah versus it being manufactured mm-hmm. you know so you have like even the Esperanza album. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, hey, this is how I feel, you know? Yeah. This is what's happening. Well, sometimes those statements, uh, and, and I think your album falls into this category, can be just as powerful or more powerful than trying to uh, make some big overarching statement, you know, do yeah. like do like the November rain of, of albums, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, that's, that's good, and there's a yeah. place for that. But sometimes you need to like listen to something uh that just says uh, there's somebody out here that's feeling exactly the same that i think and i'm feeling right now right and that's all they want to talk about right no so, i hear you on so that. And i'm there for that i'm like yeah, 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 yeah. it's like <laughs> i hear you on it, that. it's like yeah uh, you know you, you gotta have all kinds i think yeah that's it uh across the spectrum mm-hmm. and i think that's what i'm I've been really happy with music lately. Like I've been really yeah. like, man, it's this been an insane year. Like, yo, this year has been crazy. Across the board. It is yeah. it is absolutely insane. It's like how crazy. many I, was, I think uh I think we're gonna end up having reviewed something like eighty five, ninety albums. Wow. Uh we're gonna end up doing like hundred and ten of these podcasts. Man, this that's year. Dope. Congrats but, to you, man. Thanks. Yeah. But but like that amount of albums, like you think about like, well when in history have like we make fun of the list, like the top two hundred top thing, but right. that's seventy. Like we don't do this unless we feel that it's worth our time. Yeah, that's seventy five new pieces of music out there that we're all gonna like return to. Yeah, in one year. Like, yeah, what <laughs> this year is, man? It's been a great, it's been a great music year. Great music year. Like I, I have no complaints. Nope, none at all. Um. So I want to go uh, sort of beyond high school here. Okay. You ended up, uh, I think it's on the album, you ended up going to Howard. Yeah. I only, I only applied to two schools. Florida A&M, mm-hmm. where my brother was at. Ooh. And Howard University. I ended up going to Howard. You, you ended up going to Howard. Yeah. Now, uh, we just had the uh, African American History Museum open yeah. here last weekend. Yeah. Which was huge. Humongous. Uh, huh? Humongous. That, that was, yeah, like, you know, it's... It, yeah, I can't even. I was yeah. supposed to put, and I talked. I talked to uh, the band Death. Okay. Like that weekend, and their minds were like just blown. Right. You know, here are these guys in their sixties from Detroit who started punk rock. Right. And seeing stuff that it's gross that we ha- even have to validate it. Yeah. But seeing it like okay, we moved past that and been yeah. like, here it is. Yep. Like yeah. y'all, y'all decide what the fuck to do with it, right? Because it's important. It's sold out to the end of the year. I know, I know. Um, but so you have all these people down here, and you're obviously you're making music. I mean, you're a black artist, yes, sir. Um, when uh, and this question is really roundabout, but oh, it's all I'll, good. I'll, I'll get there, man. <laughs> it's all good. But but I uh, when I was up in Montreal recently, I read uh, Tanisi Coates' uh, Between the World and Me. Yeah, and a lot of what he talks about is being at Howard. Word and. Uh, and he referred to Howard as the Mecca. So when you went there, how do you think that changed 
like what you were doing because that's where you hon- really honed your chops and that's where yeah. you started getting out yeah. in front of people and playing. Right. So what about this? Uh, so anybody listening, I think, could understand is is maybe different there. Um, Howard changed everything for me. Um, growing up in Cleveland, going to my school, um, Shaker Heights High School. I lived in Shaker. Um, it's a very interesting thing to um, to grow up in the suburbs. It, it's it's very interesting because I'm I'm gonna go on and I'm fine. about Dude. to go deep into some stuff yeah. real quick. So I'm going to get to Howard, but I have to start uh, in absolutely, Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. So in Cleveland, I'm a dark skinned black man. Yeah. Um, and I had. I just dealt with complexion issues growing up, you know, I in fifth grade, like it was the first time like I'd ever heard someone like talk about how dark I was like a black person talk about how dark I was. <laughs> yes. It was very interesting. Didn't know about it. And, and I think this is another thing, another connection that me and my father had that was really dope. Uh, he played me the Curtis Mayfield record. Uh, uh, what is it? The we, the people who are darker than blue. Oh yeah. You know, really, really dope. Curtis Mayfield record like my dad is like you're as dark as me there's nothing wrong with being dark you know mm-hmm. you know don't let nobody tell you there's anything wrong with it and it's cool when your parents are telling you that but like you know when you're dealing with it in school it's very right. it's very interesting you know to be you know dark skin uh, to, and to deal with that at such a young age for it to be embedded in your brain yeah. at a young age you know and then you know my dad is um I mean, a Cleveland hoop legend, like basketball legend. Yeah. Like, can't go anywhere in Cleveland out. You say the word Abernathy, it ain't because of me, it's because my dad. Yeah, like, yeah. Larry Abernathy, like, man, your dad's cold, you know, this, yeah. this, and that. So everywhere I go, you know, you deal with that. But the interesting thing to, like, to be in the city, and I think it's changed now. I love it that it's changed now. But, like, you go down the way, because all your cousins live down the way, you mm-hmm. know, all your cousins in the hood, or, you know, you just... It was just Cleveland. Like we didn't even think of it as like the hood. We just thought right. of it as like, hey, this is where we hanging out. Was uh, was Cleveland still when you were growing up more or less segregated, much like Milwaukee? Yeah, east side, is. west yeah. side. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But I went to the thing is I went to school in Shaker, which is a Jewish community. Yeah. So it was like the school system was like half white, half black. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so. I think the thing that was interesting, the older I got, like you go down the way, I, I used to play basketball uh, and football, and I would play at Fairfax, Kennedy, um, Thurgood, Marshall, Lonnie Burton, Hamilton. I learned how to swim at Hamilton Rec and over at Kennedy. So I'm always in Cleveland because that's where my cousins are. Yeah. And living in Shaker was different because it's not that you didn't, it's not that I didn't have black friends, but it was just like, I just hung out with my cousins. I hung out with my family, you yeah. know what I mean? And my family lived in Cleveland. But then when you go to Cleveland, it's like, where are you from? Are huh. oh, you from Shaker? Oh, no, nah, you, you a Shaker. You a suburb boy. You a, so it, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it was all of these different divides. So I say all of that. Like, it was interesting yeah. to maneuver through all of that as a child. Like, hey, I don't think I'm better than nobody. I'm black just like y'all. Mm-hmm. I'm down here to hoop. What's up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it was interesting to go through that divide and then get to Howard. And it's like. Black is beautiful and it doesn't matter where you are from. Right. It doesn't matter if you're dark skinned. It doesn't matter if you're light skinned. It don't matter. Right. 
like black is beautiful. Yeah. You know, four years of that. Oh man. It, it, when, when everybody is black, when your professors are black, yeah. you know, when you have, you know, I'm walking into this school of music. I changed, I was a business major. I changed my major the first day of school. And my mom was like, what are you doing? Like right. after all of this, you're going to really go the music route. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go to music route. And so she made me minor in business. That was our trade off, yeah. which was the dope. Good. A great trade off. Yeah. On my mother's behalf. It's helped me a lot. Um, but musically, you have professors that care. Like they're like, no, I yeah. care. Like you're going to pass. You're going to pass and you're going to get out in this world. Right. right. And you're going to represent us, you know. Because there's a little more investment in there's you doing that. So much more investment, man. Like yeah. I feel like they just cared. They cared about the art of right. music at Howard. Like you're not going to have you you're not going to be under my teaching and go out there and and not do it right. 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 You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. So, I think the Howard is the Mecca, number one, because, you know, when you come to the Mecca, you feel power. Yes. Like, there's so much power. And I think the power at Howard is the love. Yeah. The love is so rich. Like, it's insane. Like, it's crazy to see your people, like, coming from a high school where I'm not saying that they were trying to put us down or anything. Yeah. But what I'm saying is... There's just there was just a different type of dynamic. Like they wanted to see you succeed, but I don't know if they would go the extra mile to see you succeed. Yeah. At Howard, it was just like, hey, come see me. Like I remember one of my music instructors, I was just like, I don't understand what's happening. I was still remember my high school year, jazz was new to me. Yeah. So like there's a difference between playing Which is by kind ear. of mind blowing, actually, yeah. knowing knowing what like, you can do now. It was like it was new to me. And so, like, getting to Howard, and he's like, no, nah, man, you got to, he's like, I need you to play, you know, Miles Davis solo on So What, and I need you to know what's happening. <laughs> I need you to know what these Damn. chords mean. And I'm like, I don't know what none of this mean. What is this C with a triangle over it? What does that mean? Right. I don't know. I don't know none of this. Right. You know? What is the C with the circle? What is the C with circle and a slash through it? And so he was like, all right. He knew I had potential. Mm-hmm. He was like, come see me after class. He's like, me and you are going to meet. I don't have a lesson with this man. But he took the extra time to be like, let me show you how this yeah. is done. You know. What was his name? Uh, Professor Charlie Young. Yeah. He's the same guy that told us. It was so hilarious. He's like, if you really want to play, you wouldn't be here at school. <laughs> he's which got is, a point. Yeah. He's, he's got a really good to point. To me, which was like golden. Yeah. He, that was the professor. That was... That was my favorite professor, even though he like he was always on me. But I think that's what you he reminded me of my mom. Like you need someone that's always on you like you need someone that's going to take you to that next plateau. And I think I say that to say even the students at Howard, when everybody's striving for excellence. Yeah. You're going to strive too. yeah, we were surrounded. This is a school of black people striving for excellence, you know loving on each other it was it was an amazing experience like couldn't beat it coming from Cleveland I couldn't believe like I went to Howard and came back home with more confidence than I could ever had in my life ever and this is this is a this is a really big existential question like knowing that why can't we as in like the world 
mm. figure out when we have examples of that, very clear examples of that. Why can't we? Why can't we figure out that like that's how that's how it works? I don't know, man. I mean, you think you think a... about like what happened in Charlotte, right? And think about uh, happened in Oklahoma. Like we can't. Well, I, I think it starts with knowing that number one, when it comes, you everybody has to deprogram. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. I think like when I think of Howard and, and myself going to Howard, Howard deprogrammed me. Mm-hmm. So the programming is you're dark. Because you're dark, you're ugly. Because you're dark, people going to talk about you and nobody wants you and it's whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Which is, I, I think, that's a universal whether you're black, white, or anything. People, yeah. people put you down. The difference yeah. is... If you're black, people kill you. Yeah, but that's and, what, and have for like forever. Century. I mean, and this, this is the thing, like, like you said, they have for centuries. The thing is, now we got cameras. Now we got cameras. That's right. the only difference. Like, even with church burnings, they've been burning churches in the South. Right. This ain't nothing new, right? You know, they they've been killing black people. That ain't nothing new. No, it's, it's not. just that it's getting recorded now, and so now we have to take a look at it. And it it reminds me of you know. The civil rights movement, like my yeah. uncle Ralph David Abernathy, that's my grandfather's brother. Like, um, what they did, what him and King did, was all of these things were happening. They just said, "Let's just put a spotlight on it so everybody can look at it." Right, and that's what's happening with these cameras now. It's just a spotlight, so we have to take well, a look because at it. It's important, I think, for people to see that uh, when you hear about this stuff and understand that that we're all capable of that. Yeah. But this goes back to what I was saying. Yeah. Everybody has to deprogram. Everybody has to deprogram and stuff. Because which is, you know, when I hear a record like uh, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, or, right. or honestly read Coach's book, yeah, the fascinating thing that, that I take away from that is is that, especially like in Coach's case, he's talking about the black experience. He, it's a letter to his son. Like, I yeah. don't know if you read it, but it's... I haven't. I, oh, dude, I need it's, to add it to my list. This is, this is a thing you should read like yearly. Okay. This is, this is about, it's about being black, and I'm not, I'm white, but... Yeah. Uh, but it's also about being human, much right. like to pimp a butterfly, much like uh, honestly, lemonade, like yeah. Beyonce's album. You know, um, it, is that it puts the light on these horrors, but then also lets you like in to see it, and again, just says, "Hey, but we're all like this. Yeah, this is the bad thing that's happening now, but we, you can relate, right?" and that's you should be able to relate on a human level, right? And period. And, and then, and when that happens, that ends. Yeah, like there's nobody that should be seeing any of this happen. That's happened just the past two years. That is okay with anything. Yeah, but I mean, again, it just goes back to everybody makes excuses. Yeah. you know, like, and you can't make an excuse for the loss Mm-mm. of a human life. No. Like there is. Humanity says, like, like, come on, man. Like, you see this and you're okay. That doesn't, that doesn't bother your soul. That doesn't move you to say, hey, man, uh, what happened right there wasn't right. Yeah. Do it, you, you know? It's, it's funny. Like, uh, a band that we just reviewed, uh, Drive-By Truckers, have been around forever. Right. Uh, from the South. Uh, okay. their, their second album was sort of blasting racism in the South. Okay. The Southern Rock Opera. It's excellent. And, and you know, they're doing all this with the drawl that... We associate with all of that, and they're from like Alabama. Uh, but uh, Patterson Hood's dad was David Hood, who played on Muscle Shoals records, and okay. they played bass on "I'll Ooh. Take You There." So, okay. 
uh, and and they've been dicking around for a few years, but they they just released an album that is strictly political, talking about this, and they straight up in a song say, you know, essentially if you're not angered, if you're not mad, like seeing this kid dead in the street, I guess you're not black. I mean, and that's deprogramming, and I think that's what yeah, you're talking about because because yeah. at fifty, they grew you, up through the worst of it, but now are able to be like. That's all right. That's so wrong. And, yeah. and we that, got and we gotta talk about it. Let's have a conversation. But yeah. we can't have a conversation unless you're you're okay with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And you're okay with being honest. Mm-hmm. And it starts with the black man, the black woman is a human being. Yes. Period. Yep. We are human. We can have a conversation. We're intellectual. Mm-hmm. And what, you know. It's funny because programming, like TV programming, radio programming, whatever programming, it programs you. Yeah. And so since there's all of these messages that have been passed down that your eyes have seen, that your ears have heard, you just repeat messages and and it Mm -hmm. just subconsciously you begin to think that, you know, black people are murderers. Yeah. You know, like the the, the woman the woman says she was scared. Why are you scared of a human being? Yeah. He's a human being. You're scared? Yeah. I felt threatened. How? Right. Right. But programming. You have to deprogram. And white people have to start having a conversation with white people. Yeah. Like, it starts there. Like, it has to, you have to have a conversation. The conversations we have in a black home is, when you see the police, just put your hands out the window. Yeah. If you get pulled over, make sure that they know you don't have a gun. We shouldn't be having that conversation. No, no. You shouldn't, that shouldn't no, be nobody the con- should be having that conversation. That shouldn't and, be the conversation. And, and, you know, white people, like, who are talking about that should put their privilege down and be like, I can literally do anything. As a white, yeah. 44-year-old white male, I can literally do anything in the world I want. And the reality is that other people can't. Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. white women. Yeah. That's, uh, and need to really internalize that and yeah. really understand what that means. Just look at reality. Yeah. Just take a, a strong look at reality and realize that we can change that reality. Right. But we have to have the conversation. Yeah. And the conversation has to start with people in power, too. For sure. So that it will, as the Republicans say, trickle down. You know, well, but, yeah, they have to start with people in power and and the people we put in power. I think, true. but there has to be like access to that. Yeah, you know, just like what you and me are doing, just sitting here talking about stuff. Right. You need now more than ever. Uh, you need to do that. Right. With people because this is just how shit gets done. Yeah. Yeah. Your art helps. Yeah, which we're gonna you know, get back to it in a second. Yeah, but, no doubt. <laughs> but 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 your your art h- helps and can illuminate it a little. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's uh, you know, I mentioned the truckers. You know, their fans are all like, "Oh, I'll never listen to you again because you're political." It's like, oh man, you can't, nah, don't do that. No. Yeah, just just here. Like, I think. Are you willing? My number one thing is I'm always willing to listen and receive what someone's saying yeah doesn't mean that i have to agree with it no. but i'm always willing 
to listen and receive. And I think that we can't and, and, and try my best to remove myself mm-hmm. so that I can understand. Yeah. You know, like, cause I can understand and still not agree. Like, man, I can understand where you're coming from on that. I don't necessarily agree yeah, with it, but I, I can understand. A lot, there's a lot of, uh, and this is going to sound weird to say, but there's a lot of, uh, and like you were talking about deprogramming, there's a lot of the the root of racism in the South. I grew up in Southwest Virginia. I grew up in Lynchburg, so okay. Jerry Falwell town. Right. Uh, and I've been removed from it now for over two decades. Right. And I understand. Right. I understand how generations, it doesn't mean I'm saying this is right. Yeah. I understand though how generations of generations of families were raised to be like black people are are yeah. scary. Yep. Yeah. It's it's what I, they, immigrants are are bad. Yeah. It's what they were taught. It, it's right. what you've been programmed mm-hmm. in. You know. And I think to, uh, I mean, my parents grew up in Jim Crow. Yeah. Like, it's crazy to me to think that my dad was 13 when the Civil Rights Act passed. Right. And just because it passed, it doesn't mean that it changed right away. No. You know what I'm saying? So, like... Someone say it hasn't changed. Yeah. (laughs) And and to think that, you know, I can't imagine being in eighth grade and, you know, seeing colored-only signs or having... You know, it's it's a... Right. it's It's a different game, you know? So, for them... They see life totally different than the way that I see life, which means there is a flip side of white people who grew up in that too mm-hmm. that see life. That see it completely. Uh, exactly. So it's yeah. kind of. Lunch, lunch was segregated. The lunchroom was pretty much segregated. But that was just more societal, like, yeah. you know, because we didn't live in a community with like, any black people lived in. Right. You know, it wasn't very few where we're going to be like, oh, we're going to be friends with you until yeah. like. Like you were talking about formative years, you know, 16, 17, 18. Right. Uh, where, you, where you don't tell your folks where you're going and you, you know, go to right. the party. Right. But, um, but yeah, and it's, so yeah, you see people who have been raised like that. And it's, I, I think, dropping the immediate uh, edifice of just anger. Yeah. Like, fuck you, how could you be like that? You're stupid. And it's like, well. Right. No, don't. You got to understand, like, how this happened. <laughs> and, right. and then be willing to like talk about it or or see what what you can do even as a small part to help alleviate it yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of anger it's a lot of anger it's yeah. a lot of hurt and i think I, that's the key yeah, it's a lot of hurt it's a lot of hurt and i think that it starts it starts with again just deprogramming because even for myself like to love myself as a black man mm-hmm. I had to deprogram. I had to really take a look at some hard things, some hard things that I thought about myself from not even not even my family upbringing, but like the stuff that happened outside of the home. Yeah. You know, things people said to me, you know, Um, and it's it's hard. I think it starts everything. All healing starts with vulnerability. Yeah, for sure. All healing, all deprogramming is going to start right there with being vulnerable. It, in in the case of you know black men and women dying at the hands of the police it starts with the officer is honest saying she's scared but let's get to why yeah let's get to that part let's be honest about well, why are you scared yeah you know no one they always that's the thing that kills me about the articles like the articles always say yeah you know the officer says she was scared 
she was in fear. Did anybody yeah. ask her why? Right. Does anybody want to dig deeper? Let's dig deeper. Right. You know? Right. Let's have those conversations. But I think, again, I believe that white people have to have the conversation inside of their home. Mm-hmm. Just like we're having the conversations inside of our homes. We're yeah. losing people. That's the part that hurts. Yeah. You know? Oh, like and we're and watching that's, people That's the die. part that I think we've reached the point where, like, this can't stand anymore. Nah. And, you know, to take it back to, like, the civil rights movement, you yeah. know, by any means necessary. Yeah. You know, people are, like, trying to understand the riots in Charlotte. And, like, if there's nothing left to do, I'm not... I th- pretty sure you're a nonviolent person i'm a pretty definitely. nonviolent person definitely but if there's nothing left to do as an entire community and like what what how would you what reaction do you want yeah i think is is and i don't advocate for it but like what exactly do you want because you know they're having uh like you said the conversations that are happening in black homes yeah uh have been going on for so long and it doesn't for a lot of people it's not just not changing it yeah, it's it's a it's it's just interesting and it's sad. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's sad to watch. It's and, and it's scary, very scary. Yeah. Like it's it. You know, I never put it out of my mind that I could be next, right? And I think that's the thing that's scary. Like, hey, I had a friend tell me that he he um, he had a flat tire. Yeah, on um the highway, and he said, "I'd rather drive." another mile and a half to the next exit on that flat and stop and pull over on the side, which is, and he did that. That's something, and that's something that somebody like me will never have to live with. Yes. It's, it's a, it's a scary, which is, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a horrifying thing to be raised into. And even as much as like, it sounds like Howard, like taught you like black is beautiful and we're all this like, right. That reality is, is just there. It is, and it and it and, sits and stares at you daily. Right, like, right. man, there's no way I should like if if red, blue, and white siren is behind me. There's no way that I should be fearing for my life. No, because I'm just worried about ah oh, crap, I got a ticket. Right, and I'm like, oh crap, let me put my hands out the window so I don't get my head blown off. Right, you know. So so uh, after that fun diversion, yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, it's it's. Uh, and let me say this before we transfer out. Like I wrote a, I think that the one thing I love about being a musician is I have a voice and I feel like this is the exactly. one thing about soul music that I love is we are supposed to tell the stories of our community, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I did a song and it was so dope to add my uncle, Ralph David Abernathy on the song with me, I did a song called Nowadays that talks about, you know, what's going on in our community from police brutality to gentrification to white privilege to us being upset about what's happening and just voicing that, but still having hope and still believing that we could get to a better place. That's exactly where I was going. So, so, uh, because I, I wanted to talk about then, you know, we know all this, and, uh, like, my job is just amplification. Right. That's, you know, I, I, I ask questions, and hopefully I ask the right questions so people talk about stuff. Right. But you actually make the art, and so w- when you're doing this, you know, 
monologue is a very personal statement. Yeah. That if you dig deep enough, you're gonna you're gonna see all this in that. You yeah. Know, maybe not the extremes that we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. As you're creating, like going forward, and and even before monologue, what do you feel any obligation to like to make that art, to make those type of statements, to just come out and be like, here's a thing I do because I have a voice. Because like I don't know what your market share is, but I know yeah. what it's going to be after this. <laughs> oh man, I hope it's I hope it's <laughs> and, great. <laughs> and look, everybody's going to be listening to you. So at that yeah. point, you're on a stage where, and it's not the sports. Like I'm not a role model. You're yeah. a person. You have a voice. You do a thing. Yeah. Um, where do you, is that something that you are like committed to? Is that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It is, um, the job to me of artists to speak on the times. Yeah. You know, like that is it. Like you have to speak about what's going on. Music is a healer. Mm -hmm. It is something that brings people together. It is a vibe. It is a feeling. It is a voice. So it is my job to tell the stories of my people and the time, you know? So I'm definitely, I'm committed to that. I'm committed to our messages, you know, worldly messages, community yeah. messages. I'm committed to that. Um, I think that I aspire to be a prophet like Stevie Wonder was. Right. Like he is a musical prophet. He absolutely is. You know, like when it comes to world messaging. And, and that's what I, a lot of people don't realize when you look back at that music, how not only just when it was happening, how important that was, but it's like we were talking about privilege a minute ago. Yeah. People don't think about the things that people like Stevie Wonder are singing about. And then yeah. they, they're like, I love Stevie Wonder. And then they hear that and they're like, what's this? And maybe only 1% of the people dig and try to it's, figure it out. It's so spiritual. Yeah. Stevie Wonder, Bob Marley, Maurice White, Earth, Wind & Fire. Yeah. I mean, the spirit on that music, Yeah, incredible. I mean, I aspire to, you know. And, and speaking of, like, spirit, I think that's the thing that about monologue that I wanted, I wanted people to understand the whole soul and spirit around this album around yeah. family and you know yeah. just um all the love that's there um even you know my belief you know in god and right. you know like when i talk about my monologue monologue is my favorite on the album because it's my monologue yeah you know and it's like something i still live by you know mm -hmm. like if i'm thinking you know the first verse is about being a better person, you know? Yeah. The second verse is about love. And, you know, no matter what happens to us in love, you know, yeah, we got to share. And the third verse is about God's love and sending his son, Jesus Christ. Like, it's a totally, it's like my monologue. This is like how I live. This is how I'm trying to live, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I feel like with music, the greatest thing that, I think great artists do when I talk about Stevie, when I talk about Maurice, uh, when I talk about Bob Marley, they're vulnerable enough to show who they are. Yeah. You know, and it's like, hey, you can shine a spotlight on me because this is who I am. Yeah. So I feel like it's absolutely my job to uh, 
speak on the time, speak on community, speak on myself yeah. and where I stand. And um, that way you'll know who I am, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good enough place to, to land <laughs> uh, here. And, uh, and, and people, uh, I think, will know who you are very, very soon if they didn't already. I hope uh, this so. Is, uh, this is uh, an absolutely brilliant album. It's a, it's a moving album, and it's something that uh, we and I and I cannot recommend more to anybody listening who who, wow, thank you, man. who just likes and runs soul music, just like soul with a capital S. Word, yeah, yeah. So want to uh, do a soul album? Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time this Saturday, Ab, and uh, really come back anytime. Thank you for having anytime me. Anytime you want to talk, man. Thank you. All right, Abernathy, uh, Ab is just a—he's uh, just an awesome guy. I think you can tell from that. Uh, that was such a thrill. Uh, you know, it was a thrill to hear the album, uh, but actually to sit down here and—you uh, know—we talked for about an hour or more uh, off mic. Um, and uh, yeah, just just a great dude, a great album. Uh, so I, I implore you, uh, go out and get that, that record. It's called Monologue. It is out now. Uh, tell your friends about it, uh, and and mo- most importantly, and this should be in the show notes here, it's playing a, a CD release show here in Washington D.C. Uh, on October twentieth. It is at Tropicalia, that is up off of U Street, a great little venue. This is going to be the last time I believe that you're going to be able to see him in a venue of this size. This is going to be a mind blowing performance. I saw him perform once uh, with his band Nat Turner, uh, opening for Black Milk, and uh, they were one of the best shows I've seen this year. So this is this is just it's all coming together and, and this is just this is fantastic. So uh congratulations to Ab on the album and uh and hopefully he'll be back to talk about more stuff. Cause I think I think he got from that that uh, he's he's got a lot to say. Just uh solid dude all around. Um before we get out of here this week, like I promised up front we're gonna play a little band. This is falling into what we we're talking about here is soul music and, and you know, we've seen a lot of soul music uh coming up this year and hitting the mainstream, maybe hitting audiences that normally wouldn't hit you know i'm talking about like the king album uh, i'm talking about oh, this is a different kind of soul but uh blood orange dev hines album uh that uh it's going back to the 80s uh certainly ab's album uh falls into this category maybe even solange's album that that just dropped on friday which we're going to get around to uh we wanted to we want to sit around and process it so don't don't worry there uh but this band uh like i said is a seven piece from the bay area uh they have a distinct uh, or distinctly, uh, almost like early '90s sound. Uh, I can't really describe it, but you'll you'll know it when you hear it. So, uh, so I guess rather than try to to blab on about them too much, uh, let's just play the track. Here you go. This is the session. Uh, this is their track, "Distant Heart," off their upcoming album, "Flames and Figures."
The name of the band is The Session. Uh, the name of the track was Distant Heart. It is off their uh, upcoming album, Flames and Figures, which should be out soon. I will put the uh, release date in the show notes, so don't have it here right in front of me. And uh, if you dug that, uh, then yeah, just go out and get it, man. They're going to be on tour. I think they might even be coming here to D.C., so maybe you'll be able to get out and see them and, and show your support that way. So uh, that's it for our podcast this week. If you like what you just heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can rate us there. You can email me with any comments you want, although there's a comments thing below it. Uh, I know sites are, are moving off of comments off of posts, but we're not. Uh, we did ditch discuss, but I, but I think it's a valuable tool, and doing it sort of on-site is, is maybe the venue for it. But that said, I'll answer any question that comes my way. Uh, as well, you know, the rest of us, you know, Edward, it's generally our first name at the uh, chunkyglasses.com. Uh, we're going to be back. We're going to finish off this week, I think, with uh, we're finally getting around to Bonnie Vare's uh, new album. We're going to be talking about that, myself, Eduardo, and Mauricio. And uh, and as we get into October, we're going to be uh, doing a couple couple cool little things. I think one thing we're going to start up, uh, starting today, you should have seen one. Uh, we're going to be tweeting out albums that you, you absolutely should have heard. Uh, but it's going to be like micro-reviews. Uh, we got 140 characters, man. Not a lot we can do with it. So that, that's our challenge. But uh, really, our challenge is that hopefully uh, we can expose you to albums that you might not have known or might have forgotten about or that you just love. In fact, that's that's what we do here in a nutshell. So uh, thanks to you guys for listening. Thanks so much for Ab again coming down. Uh, we will be back in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> 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 Kenobi!